All right. What's up, guys? Welcome to this week's episode of the Chair Talk Podcast. My name is Omar, and we have an amazing guest for this week's episode. Brayden, do you want to tell the audience what this podcast is all about? Yeah, absolutely. Here at the Chair Talk Podcast, we cover a variety of topics centered around a lot of good things, important and significant to adolescent men. Um, a lot of good conversations, a lot of great guests, and we're funneling our structures. We hinted at the last episode, they have include even more perspective on our show. Um, so we invite you guys to kind of take a seat and enjoy the conversation we're about to have. And uh, we're really blessed to have uh, my college friend, Jeff Erickson, join us on the podcast. Jeff, how, how's it going? I'm doing good. How are you guys? We're doing good. We're excited uh, for all the listeners. This is going to be our first Zoom episode. So this is going to, we're going to yeah, see. Yeah. So if it sounds of... uh, audio wise, just a slight difference. It's probably because it's being recorded on a separate device. <laughs> we're hoping uh, the quality at least enables you to hear Jeff's message and you guys enjoy the rest of this conversation. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, real quick, do you want to just tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, yeah, of course. So um, right now I'm a current college baseball player at Calvin University. Um, when I graduate this spring, I'm going to be working with a financial firm in San Diego, California. Um, in addition to going to school and working with a financial firm next year, I've started a couple of businesses myself. Um, when I was nine years old, my brother and I started buying gumball machines and putting them in stores. Um, we've had that ever since then. When I was 12, uh, I started a lawn mowing company and I had high schoolers mow lawns for me. Um, then more recently in college, I got into the e-commerce space and um, had a business through Amazon and uh, had some manufacturers in China and everything. And it was really fun. And um, I'm just someone who likes business and I like trying to get better and trying to improve myself. And um, yeah, that's that's what I would say. Yeah, no, that's a good good summary of yourself. I'd, I'd give you credit for that, knowing you for the years I have and knowing just what kind of ambitious, like quality human being you are definitely reflects in your kind of tenacity and aspirations of business. So it's cool to, cool to hear. Um, you touched on a lot of specific examples of kind of what makes you who you are. And we're going to hit on those specifics, um, have some questions in those spaces that I'd like to cover. But could you possibly speak to certain um, more influential aspects or events in your life that have kind of put you in the place you are today? Oh, that is a great question. Um, well, probably the most, the most important event that's happened in my life was when I was in middle school and I gave my life to Christ and I wanted to follow him. Um, I'm a Christian, I'm a man of faith, and that's, that's definitely a centerpiece in my life is having that relationship with God. Um, but more specifically, I had a conversation my freshman year with one of the seniors on the team, one of the senior captains on the team, who introduced me to um, a guy named Andy Frisella. He's a popular podcast guy, runs a podcast called Real AF right now. And uh, I got connected with Andy Frisella and this guy named Ed Milet. And that just kind of put me on a trajectory of wanting to get better and wanting to improve myself in business. Um, I'm now part of their Arte syndicate that they run. They have a, um, they have a collection of entrepreneurs and we, we network with each other and we hear uh, different strategies of what's working well in business. And um, I would say that one conversation to put me on to somebody that um, just gives away information and that wants to share their expertise. I think that has had a dramatic impact on my life. I know that's an awesome answer. And yeah, Andy and Ed are two of the most influential and powerful and just so much insightful content that they create. And it's probably, it's amazing. I know I've talked at length with you about it uh, privately off, off this podcast episode, but the value they're able to create. And it's awesome that you've uh, can testify 
that to being a large area of growth for you. How'd you uh, get uh, in touch with those guys? If you don't mind me asking, like, how'd you get in touch with Andy and all those guys? Yeah. Yeah. So he, if you guys pay attention to, I don't know if you're current listeners to his uh, real AF podcast. Yeah, or, I got Omar into it. through. The yeah. I just started, challenge. started a couple, oh, couple weeks awesome. ago. So I started. Awesome. Yeah. Podcast. Yeah. So he, uh, he also had this podcast called the MFCEO project a couple years ago. And he talked about a group he was starting called RK Syndicate. Um, and I was interested in it because I was somebody who likes entrepreneurship. I like business. I like, um, I like all the different nuances that go into trying to make money and trying to be successful. And um, that was a group where I could be around like-minded individuals. And um, so I applied just like how you would apply to a college or apply to a job even. And uh, I was one of the guys out of like 30,000. I was one of 400 that got chosen and um, I was pretty honored and I like it and I've been in it ever since. Yeah, that's really cool though. That's awesome. I'm sure we'll touch a little bit about that a little bit later, but kind of switching over, you talked, you said that you were a baseball player at Calvin, correct? Yeah. You yeah. kind of want to just uh, speak about just your athletic journey being a college athlete since you are our first college athlete that we've had on the show. Kind of just want to talk about that a little bit. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I had a lot of success in high school, uh, playing sports. I was a three sport varsity captain at my high school. Um, and it was one of the largest high schools in Colorado. And I, I just had that honor of, um, I, I had the honor for my coaches of wanting to lead the teams and I, I played football, baseball, and basketball. Uh, my favorite sport was football. I was, that was a sport I was the best at. Um, and I was looking at playing in college and either either at the d2 or the d1 level and it, it really came down to it didn't want to get a concussion in college and uh, i just made the decision to made, yeah, made the decision to pursue baseball um and pursue my love of baseball uh, something that really had a big impact on me was i have an older brother he's 12 months older than me and he's just been an absolute rock star like in high school he led the state of colorado in strikeouts one of the most highly recruited pitchers in Colorado for baseball. And I watched him go to a big time D one school and um, that kind of inspired me to want to play college baseball as well. Cool. What position do you play? I'm an outfielder. Uh, I like, I like hitting the ball. I like, yeah. uh, I like <laughs> playing offense and yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I find myself in the grass. <laughs> there we go. Uh, do you kind of want to just touch a little bit? Uh, how was that? balancing sports um classes and just life in general being a college athlete it definitely takes a, the majority of your time uh, with practice with our team lifts um, even with stuff like wanting to eat right it takes time to uh, make good food and it takes time to prep food and um, it really turns into like what the center of your day is is built around baseball practice and um, the baseball lifts that we have so uh, it's, it's a hard balance to say that I'm giving my all in school would be a lie. Um, I can't. And frankly, if I could, I probably wouldn't. Um, and it's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to trying to hold up a lot of things and I think I'm doing a really good job, but baseball does take a lot of time for sure. Yeah. So you talked about that kind of like that hard balance. You want to touch a little bit on what is it like being uh, a D3 athlete? Cause I mean, we see all these like D1 athletes. Uh, Cause I mean, they have some like cameras, uh, following around them. They have like ESPN following their like daily schedule. So how is it just being like a D3 athlete? Do you think it is a lot different than a D1 athlete or would you kind of say they're 
similar just like day and you would probably out. have a reference point with your brother as well yeah. so if you could kind of like compare and contrast what you hear from both sides in your own personal experience yeah yeah um i would say they're a lot more similar than you would think uh, outside of a couple couple small details but um we still have practices we still travel out of state we're going to florida for two weeks so we're still getting our out-of-state games in we're still practicing six days a week we still have three-hour practice and uh, team lifts, and um, we're held to a very high standard here at D3. It's very competitive, don't, don't get me wrong. Um, where we're different from a D1 school, what I've noticed is the funding. Um, my brother's school, they have, a, they have a private chef, they have a nutritionist, they have a massage lady that, like you can schedule mas- massages with her. Um, and just like stuff like that, where they, they can really dive into the smaller details and, um, like the, the littler things, right. Like having somebody that makes a shake for you after a lift is, uh, those go a long way though. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, yeah. it's, it's definitely a pull factor for a school and <laughs> it, it, it's a good recruiting tool, but it's, um, we don't see that at the D. They're not like necessities either. Those are good. Like if they're there, it's cool, but it's not necessity yeah. too. Cause I mean, I kind of have experience with that, not with like sports, but, um, being in a fraternity, I went to a D2, the Grand Valley's D2. Um, and it was cool. We had a lot of a lot of people in our fraternity, but over at the D1 schools, yeah, you would see like these, they got personal chefs and all this stuff. We didn't have that. And I mean, it would be cool, but like, we don't need those things. That's a lot more money. We don't need to, we'd rather just save that money for, I don't know, groceries ourselves. We don't need someone, <laughs> to, you know, cook us a meal. Yeah. But so I, yeah, I kind of have uh, experience with that. But would you say sports and your experience as a college athlete, has it like changed you for the better or do you say a little bit for the worse? Yeah, no, I would say it's hundred percent changed me for the better. One thing that I've taken out of my last four years of playing college sports is it challenges you to take on a lot of things at the same time. So you just got to be juggling a lot of balls. You got to know how to um, keep your schoolwork intact. You got to know how to manage the clubs that you go to, whether it's like a Bible study that we do or um, an investment club that a lot of us are a part of. Um, and then, yeah, you just got to manage your relationships and playing college sports is a huge toll. And it just, it challenges you to raise the standards for yourself and to kind of have higher expectations of what exactly you can take on because um, it just requires a lot out of you. And I've really enjoyed that. I've grown a lot in the last four years and I really like, uh, I really like what I do here and I really like my school. And I'm, I'm very blessed. That's awesome. And then Braden, you can kind of touch on this too a little bit real quick, but I'd say for sports, like my biggest takeaway is kind of like that quote unquote, like family aspect of it. Cause I mean, uh, for high school basketball, we still stay in touch with these guys that we, we haven't played with in like five, six years. Yeah. And it's cool. Like uh, Braden and I and the old team, we get together, like we try to get together once, once a week or every two weeks. And it's just cool because I mean, you're going to have those relationships your whole life. And that whole family aspect is really big to me, which was really cool with that. Yeah. And my, obviously being a teammate of Jeff's um, for a year and being around a lot of the same guys he speaks to in the same culture with the same program and stuff. I think it goes for all forms of athletics, especially at the higher level, but the accountability factor and kind of being, being on one boat and rowing in the same direction. I know that kind of saying or metaphor gets tossed around a lot, but I think it's very symbolic and helpful in life as you transition from a student athlete into a career, just being around a lot of guys that push you for the better, have the same goals, have the same mindset and can kind of center your focus 
um, around, as you just mentioned about juggling a lot of things in life, but at the end of the day, having the same set of basic priorities and giving your entire um, effort towards that is really powerful. And I think it sets an example and puts you on the right track to be successful when you do enter uh, the business space, no matter what position, if you're a business owner, even entering the lower end of a totem pole, trying to climb a corporate ladder, um, it sets a lot of good skills to, to have and to display. So that was my biggest takeaway, even from just a year and a half of college sports, but I think it's put me in a good position, um, how I finished out school and now starting grad school and pursuing my career and stuff. But I would definitely agree with you, Jeff. And it's a, it's a powerful experience, something I'm too very grateful for, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. And yeah, I can testify you have grown a lot. So it's been cool to, cool to see you and a lot of the other guys I'm still close with develop and mature. Yeah. Um, real quick, before we switch topics, kind of um, closing out on the college sports, do you have any like memorable uh, stories or anything for like, these can be funny, serious, yep. like any, any, what are, uh, like, when you look back at your three years and obviously the season's still upcoming, but what are some of the most memorable times that you can recall? Um, off, off the field or on the field? You can give a couple yeah. of both, whatever Either. you feel like sharing. I know there's <laughs> a lot of good off the field stuff too. All right. Yeah. You guys are uh, leaving that question open for me. Um, I think, I just want to say, I think we're, we're going to win the conference this year. And we all have a vision of dogpiling on the mound when we win the conference. Uh, we're going to beat Adrian. They've won the last 10 years. Powerhouse, like, the last 10 years. Yeah. They're, they're D3 powerhouse guys get drafted from their school almost every year. Um, so when we beat them, I think that's going to be my single greatest memory in college. I love that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just like traveling, uh, traveling on the bus for um, 16 hours because our coach didn't want to fly. Um, going down to Georgia and going down to um, even places like Indiana. I mean, it's just it's fun. And everyone says that um, you're, you mentioned this earlier, how you just build a bond as a family. And it's really something special because you got to keep in mind that you're literally, when you live with these guys, you do everything together from like making dinner to um, lifting weights, to talking about girls, to even showering together in our team locker room. I mean, you really get close with these group of guys and it's uh, it's something I wouldn't trade for the world. So that's what I would say. Oh, that's fantastic. And uh, I, I know there's some, some a little probably like explicit, stories that shouldn't be shared on a podcast. Yeah, I, I, won't, some, I won't go into some good go loose fun times that. being being an athlete in college too. But obviously you're a you're a very grounded individual that um kind of emphasizes the true the true momentum builders. And I love that goal like or that um that favorite memory as a future thing. I think that that speaks a lot to your mentality and something that people can grow towards as well because the next thing's always up and coming and the more you believe in it, the more you visualize things. Yeah. Like I've re I've replayed the the scene, like the vision I have for that event so many times in my head that it almost does feel like a memory. Yeah. As weird as that sounds. Oh, that's uh, neat. It almost does feel like a memory. No. And that's cool too, because it's not like it's just a personal goal. Obviously, it's a very big team effort. So it's a selfless vision that will in the end, I have confidence in you and the team as well. But that'll be a good memory to look back on. Yeah, something you mentioned, and I think this is a, even a great definition for leadership, is motivating a group of people towards a common goal. And uh, you mentioned like just motivating people towards a common goal. Um, I think that's what great leaders do. If you're someone that can influence people, if you're someone that runs a team or wants to run a team, um, get good at selling people the vision of where you want to go and 
what you guys want to accomplish and how great it's going to be when you get there. And that's something I've really obsessed with. And that's um, one of the reasons I think I'm one of the, one of the stronger leaders on the team as well. Um, I just love talking about the future and love talking about our goals. So um, that's just what I would add on top of that. Yeah, no, and those are great qualities and I can, I can second and attest for those as, yeah, you display them well. So it's, it's pretty cool to see the impact you have on yourself with your future and others. But one thing I wanted to talk about, so we were talking a little bit about this off mic, but with the creation of this podcast, like Omar's been a big podcast guy and I have two for a little bit, but to be honest, like I I'd be doing a disservice to you if I didn't give you credit. Cause you're the person who kind of put me on to the original Ed Milat podcast and real AF that really like hooked me on this whole personal growth, um, kind of like lifestyle and just awareness of the amount of content and good influence that there is out there, um, through, through pod, through podcast books, just general life content, I would say. And I wanted to kind of hear you speak to, you hinted at one of the influential moments in your life is when you, when a senior kind of put you onto Andy Frazella, but could you kind of talk through parts of your story and that personal development um, department as in like, what was your first experience and kind of like how that's built up to where you are today? My first experience, great question. First of all, um, I'm really enjoying this conversation. I, I love talking about this kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> Likewise, uh, we're enjoying I, it as well. Yeah. So my, my first experience was, um, my dad and I, when I was sophomore in high school, I remember this conversation, like it was yesterday. I asked him, how do you become rich? Like, how do you become wealthy? I told him I wanted to be, I told him I wanted to be somebody one day. I told him I wanted to be wealthy and I wanted to, um, have this freedom that was associated with it. And he says, son, if you want to be wealthy, you got to do what wealthy people do. And I go, well, what do wealthy people do? And he goes, you can look that up and you can read about it. And then all you have to do is you have to copy their habits. And that was something that just stuck with me for a long time. And I just kind of obsessed around the theory of if you do what wealthy individuals do, you're going to get what wealthy individuals get. Right. And, um, that kind of, that kind of just motivated me to want to better myself, want to live a great life, want to, want to be somebody. Right. Um, and I would say that kind of kicked off the whole personal development journey. And, um, that's, yeah, that's what I'd say for that. And, um, so was the senior just cause we can relate? was, was it Ryan Pena? Was that the one? Who yeah. Introduced yeah. You? Okay. And then, so started with real AF and I know you, the first podcast I got into was Ed Milet show. When did you first hear of Ed Milet? Was it stemming off that conversation you had with Ryan? Yeah. So I started listening to him in the end of 2019. Um, and I've heard thousands of hours of Ed's content, um, through his podcast, through his YouTube, um, through his audio book that he has. He has, ne- he has another book coming out actually next month. So I'm pretty, pretty excited for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love listening to podcasts and I just think what's crazy. Uh, and obviously all the listeners here are big podcast enthusiasts as well. So I think we can share that in common. However, there's people that are so knowledgeable at whatever industry they're in and they give away all of their information for free. They tell you what took them 20 years to do. They tell you how to do it in 30 minutes. They tell you how to do it in an hour. And I just am boggled by the fact that there's so much free information online is so valuable that there's like more people aren't listening to it because I would listen to Ed talk to a, a sports psychologist 
for an hour and that'd be more valuable than my college class I'm paying $10,000 for or whatever. Um, so that's kind of just my thoughts around it. And I think um, I'm, I just, I love podcasts and I love, uh, love the information associated with them. No, that, that's really awesome. Oh, you comment on that, Omar? I have something I want to share. I mean, I want to give you yeah, space I, to... I get that. There's like, there are a lot of uh, free stuff that um, you could get on the internet, very valuable information. Um, like for just working out, cause I mean, we're all big into working out. I used to pay for like, uh, like plans and stuff like by fitness influencers. But I mean, just go on Instagram. You could type in anything like a chest workout and you could literally find thousands of free chest workout. Like just, just stuff like stuff like that. Like there are, like, I, I kind of get what you were saying with like the $10,000 of classes. Like <laughs> you could learn all that stuff in about a five, 10 minute YouTube video, you know, right. most of it and stuff. And so I get that with, uh, with all, there are a lot of free, valuable information out there. Yeah. I think to anybody out there who hasn't like given that a shot, if you're passionate about business, if you're passionate about fitness, any space in life, like there's tons of information. You just got to do research yourself. Extremely knowledgeable and successful people in their space. And you're cutting yourself short if you're not putting yourself out there and giving it a chance. And um, in the business realm, like Jeff and I are both financial students. And I kind of had that realization. Like I love form. I, I do enjoy formal education. It's debatable. The kind of net return on investment the ROI that you're looking at with it. But I read a book um, this past summer, The Intelligent Investor, which is like a staple in the financial space. And like, I really enjoyed my investments class in college, but I finished that in a couple, in like two or three weeks and it cost me $25. And I'm like, almost every single thing that we talked about in my 302 class was covered in 450 pages of a textbook. And I could have just done that and went that route. But even if it's as a supplement or just an additive to it, you can take a formal class and also do some deeper dives into research on your personal time. It's about psychology, medicine, like health, whatever space, but it's, yeah, you're right, Jeff. It does blow my mind too. And that's why we're, Omar and I are trying to add to that a little bit um, by drawing in a lot of perspective information from people to just have another free outlet uh, for ambitious individuals to mm-hmm. learn about life and this conversation's going great so far. So I can't wait to continue diving. But um, if you could isolate any further comments on what Omar and I said before I kind of fire the next question your way. No, I, I, I mean, that's what I was thinking. You just said it, you articulated it much better than I could have. So I think you did a good job there. I think with that too, though, like if you are trying to get better at something, I think it is almost crucial that you need to do outside research um, like further on. So I majored in advertising and graphic design at Grand Valley. And I mean, it was cool programs, uh, cool education I got over there. But a lot of my skills and um, actually came from like hours of YouTube video outside of classes. And like I said, same thing, like these are free YouTube videos and I paid $20,000 for all these classes and everything. And, but I mean, it's the same thing, like at this doing extra research outside of class helped me um, become a better graphic designer. And then anything like, uh, like basketball, we're all into basketball too. Um, if you just practice once a week, you're not going to get better. But if you do a lot of outside research on like how to, I don't know, make a crossover quicker or anything, it's going to help you. So, I mean, I think a lot of outside research, um, that people aren't forcing you to do, like you're doing it on your own. I think that'll help you grow at yeah. whatever skill you're trying to do. And another comment, I know this will resonate with you, Jeff, cause you're, um, you're familiar with this like saying, but on top of being ambitious and open to learning information, you can't become a success zombie and just kind of walk around and just hear all these successful things and people speaking, um, you actually have to put into action. So say you want to learn something about business or finance, you can watch as much material as you do it. But if you turn off your computer or your phone and just sit there and tell yourself that you know how to actually execute in life, 
Like you're, you're, you might be a little closer to that goal of success, but you're not there yet. Not even close. And you just have to continue to put in time and effort and actually take information and translate it into reality. Cause you can't just leave ambitions kind of floating. You have to actually funnel them and execute on stuff. Yeah. You can't learn how to ride a bike by going to a seminar. That's yeah. Idea. <laughs> you can't as simple That's as that. You just got to get on it, fall down a couple of times, but pick up on things quick and keep it for the rest of your life. No, I like that. I've never heard the no, was good, seminar yeah. one. That was good. <laughs> But kind of just uh, speaking with you a little bit, just having this conversation, you seem like a very motivational person. I kind of want, you want better, like you want other people to succeed with you. Um, how do you encourage others like around you to make that conscious effort um, to live just a better life and live the quote unquote, like the right way? I think this comes down to just trying to improve yourself and trying to grow yourself and um, every area of your life. And then naturally people will start to take a notice. And um, Andy actually says this beautifully. Um, he just talks about just trying to trying to improve yourself and how there's it's there's so much nobility and encouraging other people to want to win and other people to want to get better. And um, the best way to do that is just to try to get better yourself. And um, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. I think that's a pretty popular quote. And I don't think you guys would disagree with that. Right. Um, you just when you start improving yourself, then naturally and because of that rule as well other people are going to take notice and other people are going to start to take on some of the habits that you're putting into your life. Um, yeah. so that's, that's it. I mean, biggest, biggest way to get people to motivated is um, you're someone that's motivated and you're around them. Yeah. I believe uh, it's going to be like, I believe it's very hard for people um, to be that leader. If they're not honed in themselves, if they're not, um, if they haven't put all those like hours in um, just to become a better person overall, I think it's very hard for them to help, other people become better when they haven't even focused on themselves. Yeah. It's same thing with going into um, any aspirations in business, even like relationships with like a significant other and stuff until you have yourself in check. Like it's very hard to be successful and grow yeah. and inspire other people. And obviously Jeff hinted on a strong passion for leadership and also just an entrepreneurial mindset. It's, it's crucially important to kind of get yourself in check and make a conscious effort to grow and the subsequent kind of residual effect of that is growth all around you. Cause as Jeff said, I believe in that rule. I reference when Jeff, Jeff and I talk in the past, like the round table, like seats at the table, you got to fill them with people that are going to add value to your life and inspire you. And you're seated at that same table to do the same for them and just being selfless and um, giving in all your efforts and what you're capable of in life is the ultimate reward. And to see people succeed. I love Andy always talks about wanting all of his competitors to succeed and thrive and grow. And that's just like the nature of the positive nature of business that a lot of people don't see unless you're in that circle, but that's great stuff. Yeah. Um, kind of switching topics again, Brayden mentioned that you are a pretty creative businessman. Um, do you kind of want to walk us through some of your past and current business operations you have going yeah. on? So you hinted at them in the beginning, but maybe just yeah. talk about like some operations kind of where they were, the growth and where they stand now and kind of maybe, and a lesson learned with each um, so far. That is, that is one of the best questions I've ever been asked. I don't, I don't think anyone's ever asked that question before. If I'm going to be completely honest. Um, first business, nine years old. Um, you guys got a picture. I was a really small kid. It was me and my brother. We walked into this, um, we walked into this sporting goods store and our dad had, uh, had mentioned this because he had heard it. He had heard about the idea and he bought a gumball machine for us. And he's like, you're going to walk into the store and you're going to tell them 
and you're just going to ask if you can hold your gumball machine in their store. So I walk into a store um, back in Colorado is a local sporting goods store where I'm from. And uh, I just say, Hey, I, I have a five foot tall gumball machine. I'm wondering if I could keep it in your store. Um, like, is that okay? And again, I was a nine year old kid. Um, my brother was 10 and I just don't think the store manager could say no. And um, that conversation led to um, us having the gumball machine in there now 12 years later still um, brings in about a dollar and a half a day. Um, so not that much, right. You got to keep that in mind. Not Better that than much. nothing. Better than nothing. Right. And, um, the gumballs themselves, we buy them wholesale. They're five cents a gumball. We sell them for 25 cents. You know, one of those like, margin. Like, with a spiral, the whole nine yards. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and that actually led us to being able to pay for our own car in high school with the money we made from the gumball machine. So at a young age, like right off the bat, I was learning that I want my assets. I want things that can passively bring me in cash flow. I want those to pay for my liabilities in life, my, my expenses, whether that's a car, um, a new watch or a new computer, what have you. Um, it was just a simple little, um, simple little story that kind of made a big impact on my life. Um, and then the lawn mowing company, um, I'll just touch briefly on that. But one thing I learned with the lawn mowing company is you want to be able to scale up your business and you want to be able to have something that's you can teach that's repeatable for somebody to like pick up and do. So mowing a lawn, it's really not that hard. You really don't need much training or expertise in it. And I learned that if I were to teach my friends how to mow lawn, I could be at baseball practice or I could be mowing another lawn and I could have, uh, I could be making money on that. So, um, something I learned from that endeavor is just, um, you want to be able to teach somebody else how to make money. And if you're helping somebody else make money, then, um, I believe that you're also going to make money as well. Um, yeah, so that's what I'd say with those first two. I mean, it's, uh, I could go on for an hour talking about all the things I did wrong and everything that I messed up in the early days for sure. They all turned into great lessons in that story. Obviously, uh, for people who don't know Jeff, he's a pretty, pretty sizable individual. So picturing Jeff as a little nine-year-old walking up to a business owner and uh, asking for a gumball machine placement. I think that's a funny story. That's the first time I've heard that story, even knowing Jeff for four years. So that's yeah, so great. Great. And I, um, my brother and I both wrote our college essays on that very story. And really? uh, those same college essays we wrote to like, put in for scholarships as well yeah the, um, through the scholarships that my brother and I got through a course in college has been over fifty thousand dollars from that one essay on top of the schools we've got into so um, yeah. I mean a dollar and a half a day isn't a lot but being able to tell the story that spits out fifty thousand dollars in scholarships is I mean that that's kind of incredible like, yeah that's that, awesome right that's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, I know the lawn mowing business, we talk about that. You got a lot of merchandise that people rep in the Erickson Brothers Lawn Mowing Company, which is cool. Um, yeah. I love love the merch and it's pretty pretty sweet to see the people at Calvin. So you're represented in, in Michigan as well as uh, back yeah. home in Colorado. Um, could you spend a little time talking about, because um, I remember we had a pretty um, pretty cool conversation early on when we knew each other, your freshman year about the Amazon drop shipping, just because I was so unfamiliar with like the concept and could you kind of talk through what inspired you to get started with that and then how 
your execution kind of phase led to that? And then again, lessons learned for people who want to give dropshipping a shot. Yeah, of course. Um, I actually heard about it um, through one of those early, like, you know, when you're watching YouTube and like a five second ad comes up and like somebody's like chatting away and then you're just waiting for it to be like, skip thing to yeah, skip, you can right? like skip to watch the video. Um, so my freshman year, I didn't skip. And I listened to this dude talk about the power of um, Amazon FBA, which is called um, Fulfilled by Amazon. And I just heard him um, talk about how you can have passive income, how you can own your own listing, how you can outsource all of the work and just have Amazon take care of the logistics and the fulfillment and everything. And um, I gave it a shot and I had some extra money that I was willing to invest and I wanted to learn about business. And I dove into that. Um, I did product research and I came across selling drill bits. So I um, reached out to a manufacturing company in China. I had to use like Google Translate and all that. Um, crazy, crazy, like really funny story. But anyway, contacted like um, this Chinese company and they do this thing called private label. So private label is the biggest area of the e-commerce space. And that's where you put your own label on it, but it's another company that's actually doing the manufacturing work. So I came up with a company called Top Shelf Products. I had a logo um, from one of my friends that created the logo. And then this company out in China manufactured drill bits. They put my logo on the drill bit package and then they sent them off to an Amazon warehouse. Um, from there, I created a listing on Amazon and started, started um, ramping everything up. And it's cool because Amazon takes care of everything. Um, as I'm sure you guys know, um, it's two day shipping to anywhere in the U S right. So, um, I'd be able to track my sales and I'd be able to see all that, um, from the actual private label stuff. I got into wholesaling that was a year and a half ago. And, uh, wholesaling is another niche of the e-commerce world. And that's where you buy in bulk and then resell individually, on Amazon. And I did that with some Keurig coffee cups that um, had a very high margin. And um, yeah, mainly did that. I mean, it really, I don't do it as much anymore, but um, last year I was, I was doing about $3,000 a month in sales. So like, it was, it was good. It was kind of cool and it was fun. And it was, uh, it was fun to watch my business grow. And uh, even if it was a small business, it was, it was fun to learn a lot. Oh, that's awesome. Maybe I should stop uh, skipping the the YouTube ads before. Yeah, you got to listen to the video. Yeah, you never know when you can catch something good then. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. that's cool. And we, I know we've had conversations in the past, but like in, in market and like through product research, like coming across drill bits and exploiting that market, I thought that was crazy and impressive at the same time when you first told me that story. So that's, it's cool that there's, there's opportunities out there, which obviously some industries are more competitive than others, but like for people that look at, look at this concept and be like, oh, everything's so established and it's impossible to like penetrate and actually like, generate sales. Like what would you tell them to motivate them or give them hope otherwise with what you've done? There's a lot of ways to make money in America. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of ways to start a side hustle, to start a side business, um, to just make, make extra hundred dollars on the weekends, even if it's something as small as that. Um, so I'd say just just look and be interested and be curious and um, find out, find out what Amazon FBA is and find out what Etsy is and find out um, these, this new thing with NFTs and the blockchain and cryptocurrency. Like there are tons of people making 
making millions of dollars on uh, this whole other space that just opened up. So um, I would just say, yeah, just do your research and be curious. And that's all it comes down to. That's awesome. Yeah, that's good. And that's another part that I kind of want to touch on too. I mean, we talked about, about this before, but like you said, there are a lot of ways to make money nowadays and it's just people don't want to do that research. They're lazy. They don't want to put in the work to find these little side hustles, these little side gigs. And that's why they're struggling. But I mean, if you really want to make a couple, a uh, couple hundred bucks, you just got to do a little research here and there. Yeah. And maybe mm-hmm. it's not even out of, maybe I'm giving people too much credit, Omar, but maybe sometimes it isn't even out of laziness, but just like the uncertainty of starting something new and not being skilled or versed at it. Like people, people might be ambitious, but they don't like they don't like learning as much as I feel like they should. So when you're taking it into account a completely new space and people have no idea what they're getting themselves into, they're very off put by the, like the long-term and Jeff, you could speak to it. I haven't gone through an endeavor like this, but like it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of time to actually generate profit. And I think mm-hmm. people are off put by it, but again, that's what makes the business space so like difficult and competitive because the ones that do actually dedicate themselves to learning, like there's some serious, serious, bad, badass individuals that, um, are willing to do really anything for success. Um, and yeah, what would you say about like how difficult it is and how to persevere through the initial challenges? What I'd say with that is you gotta have a big dream. Like you gotta have a big why on why you're doing it in the first place. I'm, I'm someone who loves uh, my morning routine. I love looking at my goals. I love visualizing my goals and I have a lot of perseverance and I have a lot of grit to see things through because I'm constantly looking at what I want out of my life. And it's so easy to do the little details um, and to do a little research. Like I'm talking like an hour a day research on Amazon products. When I know that later down the road, I'm going to have a private jet and I'm going to have multiple houses and cars and freedom and all that. Um, It's just like, why would you not like it's uh, to me to me it's makes sense yeah no and i hope a lot of people get inspired by uh, hearing this or there's a lot of good motivational content just putting yourself out there getting uncomfortable or being getting comfortable with being uncomfortable sorry for misspeaking that um but it's a really good just kind of like principle to apply in life and yeah go after things you don't know about challenge yourself to learn something new every single day and a lot of times it can turn into something monetary and create that financial freedom that we're all trying to strive for. Um, one thing I did, so this again, still relating, but slightly different topic. Um, Jeff, you and I, um, once you complete your studies at Calvin, we'll have the same degree in financial planning. And I just wanted you to speak a little bit to that career path and what you're specifically going to go into and how that became kind of your, your calling or what you see purpose in. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, I love, I'll tell you what I hate and I'll tell you what I couldn't stand. I can't stand at the beginning of the year knowing how much money I'm going to make that year. Um, I can't stand somebody else putting a limit on how much money I'm going to bring home for my family. And even if that's just myself uh, right now, um, I can't stand clocking in at nine o'clock and looking at the hourglass until it turns five o'clock so I can check out and go get a beer at the local bar. Right. Um, I hate the employee mindset. Um, I'm, I want something great. I want to do something special with my life. I want to live a big life. And, um, naturally that led to going into sales or sales of some sort. Um, 
the position I'm going into is in the financial services industry. Um, very like majority of your income comes from the commissions that you make. So it's pure hustle game, um, high turnover. And it's something I like because it's helping people. It's helping people make money. Um, it's, uh, it's helping people uh, see their goals through as well. So not only or whether it's a client or whether it's a coworker of yours, you help people get to their goals. And that's something that fires me up. And um, I know if I help a lot of people get to where they want to go, I'm eventually going to get to where I want to go. And that's basically what it comes down to. And you see finance and the um, sales aspect of financial advising and planning being a, um, an ideal route for you in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. I see it as an ideal route. Um, I think one of my few gifts that I have in life is the ability to communicate or at least have a conversation on the one-on-one -on -one level. And I think I can use that in financial advising. I think I can use that to help people, um, find investments that's going to help them out or um, structure their financial budget or whatever you have. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the route I see right now. And um, I just like the business. I like the professionalism of it. Uh, I like the compensation that it brings. It's the most highly compensated industry in terms of the amount of money you can make within it itself. So that's definitely, definitely um, attractive. Gotcha. What, um, so obviously we've had, you and I personally have had conversation about this, but what are your initial career ambitions? So I know you mentioned, um, moving, well, moving out to California, starting your career after school. And then what do you see as that long-term kind of end goal? Yeah, I love that. So, um, yeah, just starting with a financial services company within the year, I plan to be a senior broker with the company. That means I'm running my own sales team. I'm um, helping other people, um, with, with their goals and I'm helping them with the presentation and I'm kind of, um, being a field trainer, so to speak. So that's short-term what I see, um, two, three years down the line, I want to get into apartment complexes. My father is a real estate investor in Denver and, um, I love real estate and, uh, it's a great way to grow money. It's a great way to make passive income, uh, back to that gumball machine thing. Right. Um, so I, yeah, I want to get into real estate and I want to kind of just run my business in the, in the daytime and have my real estate ventures going on as well. And, um, and goal, Braden and goal. That's such a good question. Uh, quite honestly, my end goal, I want to own the largest privately held real estate portfolio in the nation. Um, that's my end goal. It's a good end goal to have. Yeah, that's, that's, Tremendous. And I know mm -hmm. like knowing you and how hardworking you are too, it's like not something out of left field either. And we've, we've talked a lot. We like, um, we enjoy conversations about the future and kind of setting goals for ourselves. But I think, I think that's a, that's a, it sounds bizarre, but it sounds bizarre to people who don't know you personally, but for me who knows you personally, I think that's a pretty reasonable, reasonable goal knowing that you won't stop at any length to achieve what you want to get. Yeah. I mean, if you guys think about it, like 60, 70 years, that's like, that's a really long time. And the effect, I just finished a book called The Compound Effect by a guy named Darren Hardy. And he talked about like the power of compound pounding. If you guys think about it as like a rock on a beach and as the waves come in, each individual wave isn't going to have an effect on this rock on the beach. But over 10, 15 years, it's going to have a significant 
significant cut or it's going to take away a significant amount of that rock. So I apply that to the business world and my long-term goals. And I think if I'm just one wave every single day and I keep on hitting it and I keep on pounding the grindstone and I keep having my vision and um, I just don't see that having a big goal would uh, ever, ever deteriorate. You know, I mean, that's everything I want to do. And I, I know if I put the little, little steps in, I uh, do little things that the big things can be achieved. That was a cool visual. I never even, I never heard of that before the rock and the waves. Mm-hmm. But it's cool to think about to have that mindset with work. Mm-hmm. That is cool. But um, kind of closing out the last topic we're going to talk about is your faith. Uh, if you don't mind, um, because myself, I am Christian. I'm pretty religious. Uh, I have a tattoo that on my forearm that I live by. It says, don't worry about anything. It said, pray about everything. And yeah. um, so kind of just like, what would you say to anyone? Um, or real quick, how does like, real quick, before we go into how, like with that, how does faith play a part in your future aspirations? Is kind of then like, how does it play a part in your daily life? It's everything. I mean, my relationship with God is everything. Um, I, I'm in the Bible every morning and I have a devotion I follow. And I think there's a lot of similarities between entrepreneurship and a, and a relationship with Christ. And I think the two go hand in hand uh, more than people think, you know, you got to have faith in your business. That's going to succeed. Uh, you got to have, just like you have to have faith in God, right? Uh, you're going to go through ups and downs in business and you have to keep the end vision in mind, right? Same thing with your relationship with Christ. You're going to go through ups and downs in life. And you have to realize that Jesus died for me and that he has a place for me in heaven and that he's with me every step of the way. So I, I directly tie my relationship with God and my relationship with Jesus to um, my path I have as an entrepreneur trying to build a business. Um, yeah, a question that I wanted to ask, that's that's a brilliant, like tremendous response to you. And I think that uh, no matter what area of life or your career you're involved with, the relationship that you have with God, if you are a faith or um, have some connection to a higher belief, um, obviously us three, we're all Christians here. But for listeners who aren't, like as long as as long as you attach yourself, and I'd encourage you to try to find God and give people um, give that ideology a chance. But if you're attaching yourself to a higher meaning, and again having that faith, having that trust, having um, the long term vision with things, and living for something greater than yourself, um, obviously for us it's preserving God's kingdom, being a light to others, inspiring and assisting people that we interact with. But in that sense, it definitely, as you're saying, Jeff, translates to business extremely well. And one thing I wanted to get um, your thoughts on is I had a really good discussion with a friend recently about the kind of conflict in interest of the wealth principle um, from like a financial and business sense versus kind of the biblical um, standard Christian view of kind of just giving all there really shouldn't be any wealth accumulation. Everything should be given to the church, given to the community. And obviously there are two, two sides um, on the same coin. Cause I think there's a good balance that can be held between each. The discussion I had with my friend was between like Joel Olstein, which is like a traditional, like he's like a telepreacher almost, but that's like a traditional Christian view versus like the Dave Ramsey view of money. And could you comment on kind of how your relationship with God and your ambitions for money, um, if there's been any conflict or how, how would you help others um, find the commonalities and kind of accept that God, God wants you to be wealthy and wants you to prosper and then in turn help others prosper. Yeah. So I think the overarching thing is you have to know that 
all your gifts, all your abilities, all your possessions, all, all the wealth you accumulate, all of it is God's. So that's always, that's always good. And that's like something you should keep on the back of your mind. However, I think people use their, uh, some parts of the Bible as an excuse not to make money or as an excuse to be content in life, because they think that, um, being wealthy isn't something that Jesus had for his followers or that is even Christian even. Um, and I completely disagree with that. Um, I, I do think it's an excuse. My favorite verse in the whole entire Bible is John 10, 10. It says Satan came to steal, kill and destroy. I've come so that you may have life and have it abundantly. You can't live an abundant life paycheck to paycheck, whether you think so or not, you can't, you can't live an abundant life. If, you're, uh, you're looking at the menu and the first thing your eyes go to is how much it costs or you're flipping over the tag and you're always asking yourself how much it costs. That's not an abundant life. And that's not the life that God has for us. And um, I'm motivated to make money because I want to live in abundance and I want to be able to do what I love and serve others and um, step into my calling that God has for me. But um, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of um, trying to use your gifts and talents in the service of others. And if that means accumulating a shit ton of money, then that means <laughs> accumulating a shit ton of money. Right? That's just another, another bonus. Yeah. Living yeah, yeah. life the right way. And I agree with everything that you said. Omar, yeah. any thoughts on that? I mean, one thing too, uh, a lot of churches, they try to preach on this too. I, I believe, I forget what percentage it is, but they believe uh, just according to the Bible, like tithing every, the 10%. Yeah, at 10%. Yeah, that's what it is. Like every paycheck or something like that, or something like that. It was every paycheck or like your yearly salary, you should give uh 10% back to the church. And I know that kind of uh ticks people off or kind of rubs them the wrong way, but I see no problem with that. I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to church and they do so much for you and they're always there for you. And the least you can do is give 10% of your earnings. So I see no problem with that. As long, yeah. Right. And I, I'm with you, Omar, on that. Um, just so there again, as Jeff, as you stated, like not deterring you, it's not making more money to give more to the church. It's making more money to live an abundant life and help and influence people. It shouldn't all be funneled through whatever congregation you are as, as wonderful as that is. And I think it serves a point and purpose. And obviously that's how churches function as from the donations and yep. contributions of the parishioners. But again, yeah, I think the Bible has a lot of, a lot of good lessons for your own personal finances, but also how you kind of approach life and you don't see, yeah, you don't make excuses and you don't see wealth accumulation as some sinful act. Whereas it's actually what is kind of God intends for you to live your fullest life. And I think it's part of it. And I just want to get your thought. I knew you were, you're going to give it yeah. to that question. You're um, you have a really good perspective on that. So I appreciate you um, sharing a little on that. Yeah. Um, the other question that I was going to ask too is like, what would you say to anyone that is on the fence about their faith or that is kind of trying to live for a greater purpose in life? What would you kind of just anything to say to those kind of people? Because I know a lot of people, um, like they say they're religious and all that, but they are afraid to talk about it with other people. They're afraid to kind of speak openly about their faith. And so how would you kind of speak on that? And then someone who's just trying to turn their life around. Um, yeah, two different questions there. First one, I would say get in a group of people who are also trying to pursue their faith, right? Whether that's a men's Bible study, whether that's a woman's Bible study, whatever. Uh, I'm in a athlete Bible study on campus here at Calvin, and we just do that. We talk about our relationship with God. We talk about how our faith and our sports inter- interact with each other. And um, it's just so important having other people challenging you, 
asking how your relationship with God is, just little questions like that that can mean uh, the world of difference. Um, and then the second question you asked, was it in regards to someone that's just wanting to get better? Is it kind of like that broad scope of everything? Yeah, kind of just like maybe someone's going down the wrong path and they know that they want to kind of, I guess. Sure things up, kind of straighten, yeah, like straighten dip, themselves. Dip their toe in the pond of like uh, Christ and everything. Like, what would you kind of just say to that? Like they're a little scared of what's to come. Yeah, I would say with that, get a mentor. Um, a mentor in life can make the world of a difference. And when you have somebody that's pouring into you and they're giving their life advice when they've walked the same roads that you've walked, um, I mean, it's it, it can really change your life around. And um, people want to help too. People really want to, they want the best for you. The majority of people want the best for you. And um, having someone that could even be um, your same age that just has a better relationship with God than you do. Just asking them questions and um, picking their brain on stuff like that. But um, that was a big turning point for me was when I found someone that lived the life I wanted to live um, with his family, with his, with his uh, business, with his relationships, with the experiences he had even. Um, I really dove into that and I tried to take as much of their time as possible. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's really, really that's good. good advice. And I think, yeah, finding a personal mentor is fantastic. Again, um, consciously and actively exposing yourself to, to content, like read books, do research into things to better yourself. And again, yeah, that personal element, because a relationship with God is a very personal, personal thing. And I think it's best learned and taught and inspired through personal relationships with other human beings, which is another part of God's creation, like why we're here to interact with each other. And it's a great resource to, to lean on and help and assist you as you, as people kind of continue to grow their faith and make positive steps in their life. Um, so over this conversation, like we covered so many good topics and I knew mm -hmm. you'd have some killer answers to stuff from, from sports to business, finances, faith. Is there anything in closing that you'd like to reiterate that we've said that went unsaid or just any final messages you want to leave the audience with? Yeah. And uh, one final message I want to leave the audience with, and that's actually a quote that's been standing out to me. It's kind of just been on like the front of my mind. Um, and I can't seem to shake it. I don't really know why, but I heard it last week and I actually put it on my Instagram story yesterday. But the quote goes, my deepest fear is not doing all that I've dreamed of and all that God has told me to do because I was afraid to be judged. And that just hit home. And I think a lot of people aren't starting that business, aren't um, starting that relationship, aren't um, doing whatever it is in their life because they're afraid of how people are going to think of them and how people are going to react. And it's, it's a fear that's usually just born out of something that's um that's unreasonable that's not gonna happen that's just them perspecting that in their mind and uh, i just want to share that as we close because god does call you to live a good life god wants you to have a great life full of abundance and you can't let someone else's opinion of how you think they perceive your actions as funny as that sounds impact what you want to do or the life you want to live. And um, that's something I think I'm going to live my life by. Yeah, that was a great quote. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah, no, this great conversation has been fantastic. Um, Jeff, again, complimenting you, great listener, great speaker. And I hope that everybody was able to enjoy everything you laid out and articulated through this conversation. And 
that it was beneficial to you also gain gain some experience gain some networking hopefully you get some connections out of this too we'll make sure to plug some social media um stuff in the bio or in the description of the episode and we'll try to market it on our platforms as well but we just want to omar and i both want to really thank you for setting aside this time obviously you're busy getting ready for baseball season starting up your last semester of college but really appreciate and value you setting aside an hour of your night with us and we know the audience is gonna love this episode yeah yeah i mean you you guys are studs and this podcast has taken off and i've really enjoyed listening to the guests you you brought on um i think it's just nothing but uh clear skies and smooth sailing from here and uh yeah i just wish you guys the best of luck we appreciate, appreciate that. it so yeah. much jeff yeah all right man we'll take care and i'm sure we'll stay we'll stay in touch too man we'll all, right, in touch. all right have a good Absolutely. one